that if you try and appeal to everyone initially, you will probably appeal to no one. So to be very hyper-focused hyper and ensure that you're creating value for your beachhead segment. You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 303. And today, let's hear from a tech expert on how to create an app that builds your authority and your business. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. Super excited for today's episode. It's Melanie Benson here, Authority Amplifier. I've just poured myself uh, my second cup of coffee in one of my favorite mugs, my Ask Me About the Enneagram mug. And I am excited to share today's guest with you because we're going to be talking about creating apps that transform your authority and your business. This is such a great example of an authority platform. And not just leveraging someone else's authority platform, but literally creating a platform that's going to put you at the top of Authority Mountain is such a great interview. I can't wait to share with you. And before we dig in, if you're ready to stand out in a crowded market, stop being a best kept secret. There are seven key steps that pull all the pieces together and help you get highly paid. I'm not talking just six figures. I'm talking about shattering your earning limits and getting beyond whatever cap you have reached in your earning potential. So head over to amplifywithmelanie.com, download my seven-step framework to add another six figures to your business this year. It is my gift to you, and it will transform your life and your business by helping you follow a very simple framework that has profoundly powerful results amplifywithmelanie.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back amplifiers today. We're going to be talking about how to transform your idea for an app into a smash industry hit. Let me introduce you to an amazing guest, Dio Akron Akinrenad. Okay, I think I got it. Akinrenad. <laughs> Sorry about stumbling over that. She is the founder of the Wisdom app. And Wisdom is a new VC funded social audio app on a mission to democratize access to mentorship and create an open community centered on conversational knowledge sharing. In March 2022, Wisdom was named Apple's App Store App of the Day and has been featured in a number of app stores recommended lists, including Listen Now and Taking a Mental Break. And I have to say, I've personally been Dio's guest on Wisdom app. She hosted me in this extraordinary conversation. It was such a treat to be one of the, the thought leaders, I guess you might say, or one of the, the new faces on Wisdom app. And it was really a, an amazing experience. Dio, I think you've created something really special. Thank you for joining me today and sharing what went into creating the Wisdom app. Hi, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I'm super excited to be here today. Uh, now, where are you joining me from today? 
currently in uh, London, London, England, which is where mm. I'm based. Okay, good. Well, it's probably a little cooler there today than it is here and where I'm at in the hundred degrees. So uh, we will jump right in and uh, just, I, I'm so excited to showcase a female who has like really stepped up into the tech game and created something meaningful and valuable with such a beautiful uh, vision. Like, I, I'm so curious how you got this idea for the Wisdom app. Okay, sure. So I was inspired to create wisdom really to solve a problem. And it was a problem that I personally experienced, but it was also a problem that I saw was evidenced systemically. So throughout my career, I've I've always worked in tech. It's what I studied and it's the field I went into when I graduated. And I initially started working as an IT management consultant within the big four consultancies. And as I progressed through uh, the ranks there, I was encountered a, a constant theme on the programs I worked on. And I worked on a number of programs across a number of countries. And pretty much on every team I was on, I was usually, perhaps there was one other woman, perhaps, and if we were a team of maybe 15, 30, I would either be the only woman or one other woman. And I was pretty much always the only Black person, not just the only Black person on my team, uh, also my floor, my unit, sometimes even the building, uh, aside from the, aside from maybe if there, we had like a security guard or something, it was, it, it always felt like it was pretty much me. And what I found was that at various stages throughout my career, I needed advice and mentoring that was specific to dynamics that I was experiencing being a black woman within the workplace. But I did, or when I say that at the time, there were not many mentors. There definitely were, there were no senior people of color within the companies I, I worked at. And so what it meant was that I I had mentoring and, and advice, but I didn't have anywhere that I could uh, go towards it. And sort of personally for me, driven by seeing the impacts of this lack of diversity at the time within uh, the UK tech ecosystem, that then spurred me when I moved on from management consulting to join the founding team of a program called One Tech. And to date, One Tech is... London's largest diversity in startups program. And during my time on One Tech, I the personal work stream I worked on was uh, providing consulting and advisory to tech accelerators to try and increase the diversity of their founder cohorts. So typically, if you look at some of the popular, uh, and, and it's improved more so now, this is going back to about perhaps maybe 2016 at the time. Typically, the founders that would be accepted onto tech accelerators were usually overwhelmingly uh, male. Mm -hmm. So in my time of working in one tech, and in essence, I was working with uh, aspiring founders, aspiring entrepreneurs, people who either wanted to start a tech business or a tech enabled business, or people who were at the early stages. And a constant theme that we identified was a lack of access to mentorship. So in essence, our working hypothesis became, for example, women want to start tech companies. People who don't have degrees want to start tech companies. People of color do want to start tech companies. But one of the greatest barriers holding them back 
is a lack of access to mentorship, or to put it another way, a lack of access to knowledge. And that, in essence, those two experiences fed into my desire to create wisdom. The idea being was, uh, say, for example, and this was something I personally experienced, and a lot of the would-be entrepreneurs that I worked with, where they came across difficulties or they wanted mentoring, they would go to LinkedIn. I think, you know, globally today, LinkedIn, arguably, I think it's the world's largest professional database. And they would go to LinkedIn to search for experts and leaders in their field and try and message them. And, you know, they might be messaging them saying, hey, I'm building X. I can see you're in this field. You know, I would love to just ask you a few quick questions. And more often than not, their responses were not, they didn't receive responses. And with the way LinkedIn is inherently structured, I think LinkedIn is designed for you to connect with people who are already in your network. In fact, LinkedIn actively discourages you from connecting with people who you don't already know. And so as a result of this, I think what we experienced systemically across London was that knowledge and expertise stays within closed networks and closed circles. And so the ethos and the objective behind wisdom is to create an open audio community of experts and mentors and well-intentioned people, and you can connect to them one-to-one through social audio to have conversations. So in essence, like that's where when we say wisdom is around democratizing access to mentorship or democratizing access to knowledge, it's yeah, it's an open audio community. And of course, powered by social audio, which hopefully for people listening in, they'll know social audio is, it's one of the newest forms of, of social networking and it's uh, audio, audio only, audio first. So Dio, um, you brought up social audio and the, the, the whole theory behind creating a um, accessible place for people to mentor each other and share wisdom and, and receive wisdom. Let's just talk about social audio for a minute, because over the last two years since pandemic, so many platforms have emerged. I would just love it if, because I got immediately what the difference was, but I want people who are listening in to really understand what's making wisdom unique and special in this fast growth industry of social audio right now? Yeah, I think absolutely to your point, social audio is booming and it's been really accelerated and kicked off by the launch of uh, Clubhouse in 2021. And I think across the social audio space to date, there are over 20 million app downloads and counting. So absolutely it's booming. Particularly what differentiates uh, Wisdom, the Wisdom app, is that we have a very specific use case, which is knowledge sharing and mentoring. And on wisdom, every conversation is one-to-one. So what it means is that on wisdom, there are only ever two people talking at the same time, which is quite different perhaps to a platform like Clubhouse, which is more so a many-to-many conversation where you could have many people, you know, like on the stage speaking. And in essence, the, the core functionality of wisdom is We allow uh, mentors, experts, uh, and really anybody, but we do have verified top mentors. And the app allows you to go live, share your knowledge, share your thoughts on on a set topic. And we have an audience of listeners who will listen in. And at their will, if the audience have a question, 
they have an option to send a request to tap into the guest spot of the mentor. And then the mentor will grant the listener a set time slot that they can use to ask a question, maybe share a thought or debate. And so on Wisdom, the mentor is always in control of the conversation. The mentor has the ability to set the, the length of the time slot that they offer. So perhaps, for example, the 10 minute slots are quite popular on Wisdom. So typically, if a mentor will go live, they'll share maybe their thoughts for, for the day. Sometimes they're journaling. Sometimes they're educating on a particular topic or sharing an opinion. And we'll have people listen. Uh, we do have like emoji reactions. So sometimes people might just use their emojis in the background to participate. And oftentimes the listeners will get inspired and they'll tap into the guest spot. And in essence, the, yeah, so the core of wisdom is really, it, it's having conversations that matter. It's sharing thoughts and knowledge, but in a conversational manner, which uh, I think, you know, if we, if we think about the vast expanse of the internet today, and even social networking as we know it, I don't, there are very few places I think today where an individual could tap in and have a one-to-one -one meaningful conversation and also within a safe space. And, and in essence, that's what we offer within Wisdom. I would also say a key differentiator with Wisdom is that we aim to help creators and experts build their personal brand and to build a following around audio. So on Wisdom, whenever you go live, when a mentor or an expert goes live, the conversation is automatically recorded. And once the talk or the conversation finishes, the talk is saved against the mentor's profile. So underneath your, you know, we have your profile and actually we, we also have a voice note introduction. So let's say now, Melanie, if I was looking at your profile on Wisdom, I can read your bio, but I could also tap a button and I can hear a quick introduction of you speaking about yourself, which just really helps to bring the profile to life. And then when I scroll down further, I can see a list of these are all of Melanie's talks on wisdom. So it, it's about really enabling your audience to follow you and get to know you, but, but through the medium of audio. And then, you know, the last thing I'll add is as we are, you know, we launched in October, you know, last year and have been growing. And I know we're going to speak about this more later in terms of growing an app and as a CEO deciding what features to build in. And for Wisdom, our focus for any features that we build are around the creator. We are creator first. And in essence, giving the creator the right tools to help them build their personal brand and to build a following. And I think a great example is a feature that we have uh, just rolled out that are in the process of building out. And it's called Ask Me Anything. And it enables the expert to post a link to receive questions, but leave a voice note reply. So ask an expert a question, get a voice note response. So what we're finding is that it's much easier and quicker to answer a question by leaving a voice note than it is to type out uh, a long form answer. And that's just an idea of a, you know, one of the tools that we're building to help experts you know, grow, grow their authority. Hmm. 
I love it. Uh, it is, it's a really cool app. As a matter of fact, if you're listening in and you're thinking, I really like social audio, I like building community, uh, or you're looking for a platform to uh, like really have these conversations and really establish your, your uh, role as a mentor, uh, we'll make sure that you know how to get the app and, um, Dio has a really great uh, incentive to get people to sign up. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, definitely go to whatever uh, your uh, phone uh, platform is and, and go search for the Wisdom app while you're listening today. So let's switch gears, Dio, because I think one of the pieces of wisdom that you can bring to our community today is how you go from having an idea about an app and then creating an app that's really powerful and, and impactful in your industry. And of course, doing whatever you wanted to do, whether that's attracting clients or, you know, because uh, a lot of people have apps for different reasons. So let's say somebody's got an idea for an app and they are thinking about it and maybe they're kind of like, okay, I don't know what to do first. What advice would you have for them to go from idea to actually having an app that's established? Okay. So to the person who has an app idea, I would advise them, first of all, be, be prepared. Don't expect to go from zero to 100. Be prepared to go from five to 10, 20, 30. So to understand that launching an app, going from an idea to actually having your app within the, whether it's the Apple Store or the Play Store for download, definitely absorb that it's going to be a journey. And one of the and, and of course, the, the main goal is you want, your app in, you want your app in the app store. They also, I think it's to remain true to the process. The person with the idea needs to also be open that they may pivot. And oftentimes with app development, the idea that you had may not be the thing that you end up building. And it's important that they follow something called the lean startup uh, methodology which you know you can google there's there's a lot of advice out there but in essence the lean startup is a methodology that's used frequently within startup for technology development and it's known as lean startup because the idea is that you start by in essence rather than investing in an idea up front where the risk is very high the idea is to de-risk the concept by running tests and experiments early on and then investing to build later. So to build that out with, I'll try and choose a really simple example. I'm thinking of a service which I used recently and I needed to get some uh, clothes altered in a hurry. And so I Googled and I found a service and I booked and somebody came within an hour to my home collected the garment and within 24 hours I, I had it delivered back so if we were to break down let's say this individual had an app idea in terms of validating the problem before what would you be saying there was before you go ahead and build the app uh, interview people that you think would be would be customers understand is this a problem that you have do you often alter your clothes who do you get to do it for you you know what is that experience like so in essence, spending a lot of time upfront interviewing people or business owners to understand the problem space. And so when we think about the lean startup methodology, that's lean because 
that's really just costing your time. Maybe a bit of travel to to reach the people, or you're you know you're emailing them or interviewing them on the phone. And what what that does is in essence ensure that you're building an app to actually because you need to be solving a problem that people actually have, and the problem needs to be you know it needs to be enough of a problem that they're going to download an app to to use it. So in essence, what remains key throughout the app development process is what is the problem that you are solving. And so where we speak about pivots, for example, and going back to the alteration service, I used the whole service, but I did it all through an internet browser. Uh, They didn't have an app. So oftentimes where people say, oh, I have something, I want to build an app. Another point that is worth thinking about is, do I actually need to build an app? Is this something that could be solved with a web app, Um, which is, in essence, just having the the functionality through the the web browser? So I think a lot of us, when we think of products we use all the time, whether it's Twitter, eBay, right, that there's a web, there's a website version, you know, there's an app version. So also think about, is this something that could be done cheaper, faster and simpler? Might you want to start with a website, which could be done for like a few thousand to really validate it before you now start investing tens of thousands to to build the app? So in Mm -hmm. essence, this is all about uh, de-risking. And just one other tip I'll give, because I know we may cover some more of these things later, is um, another great tool that can be used with the lean startup approach particularly if you are not a technical founder because a lot of the time somebody who has an idea for an app is not necessarily in the position to to build it themselves and uh, also a great way to validate that people have the problem you're solving is you can just start with like pencil and paper and sketch out what you think the app should look like like it doesn't have to look particularly fancy or you can take advantage of prototyping tools online. There's a number of tools. A lot of them will give you a lot of features for free. And once you have this mock-up that you've created about what you think it might look like, you can show that mock-up to your potential users and be like, hey, we know, what do you think about this? Would you use this? And what you'll find is if the person you're speaking to is actively experiencing that problem, then you will find they can become very engaged. They can give you a lot of feedback. Yeah, you, know, you may or may not want to take the feedback on. You know, I think it's a separate question in terms of you know, technical development, in terms of you pretty much want to be hearing the same feedback from a significant number of people you know, b- before you then take it as, okay, this is something we should um, act on. But you know, I, I share that just to emphasize that as an individual, even if you are not technical and you do not necessarily have resources at your disposal at the onset, there are a lot of uh, free resources that are available that can help you to, in essence, validate your problem. And, and even with myself on Wisdom, Wisdom got started on pencil and paper <laughs> sketches. Wow, that is I love this concept of the lean startup and de-risking. And so whether you are imagining you're going to start an app or some other tech-based company, or you are an entrepreneur that is putting product and programs out, you could apply the same concept of de-risking. And I think it's a very powerful concept to, to hold on to and, you know, really think about your decision-making 
And how can I de-risk startups, startup efforts, right? So just there's so many applications to that. Thank you for bringing that into the conversation. So uh, you talked a little bit about um, how to fund your app idea. And I'm sure this is a rabbit hole we could talk about for a week, right? Like there's a lot to it, but I'd like to just kind of hit the level of how do you decide and, and maybe what are some of the factors you looked at of raising investment capital versus self-funding or some other form of like fund as you grow type approach to getting your app out there in the world? No, I think I'm absolutely so around funding, as you say, um, particularly for apps or, you know, tech enabled startups, there are a number of routes available. And oftentimes the problem that you want to solve and the tech that you need to build, you know, would be an indicator of, of where you need to go. I think there's also a consideration as to what stage does do you want to raise money for your startup? So the, the earlier stage one could try and raise would be the idea stage. So at the idea stage, you may have an idea. You could have a 10-slide deck. The deck could include some sketches or rough, you know, prototypes of what the product could look like. And for some individuals, that could be enough to actually go to the market and raise investment, particularly for the what they call the three Fs, the friends, family, and fools, if you're familiar with that concept. So in essence, where an entrepreneur, the first money that they raise would come from their immediate network, and they refer to them as friends, family, and fools because they're investing more so because they know you and they believe in you. And you know, perhaps the it might be a bit uh, foolish, as opposed to raising from perhaps um, an angel investment syndicate or institutional money from a venture capital firm where a lot more rigor will be applied. And in terms of what investors look for, so there are the three T's, which are team, traction, and technology. And that's where they're looking at uh, the team, what is their background, what are significant milestones or achievements within their background that indicate that this is something that they can do. They may look at traction. And going back to the lean startup methodology, traction could also be early interest. It could be pre-sign-up. So you might be saying, I'm going to launch the service and we've already built an email list of this many people who are interested in it. So traction doesn't necessarily mean that the product has to be built and operating. So it's for the person with the idea to think about how can we prove that there's early traction and, and there's something that this is something that uh, people would be interested in. Um, and then there's the technology. And, you know, and I think with the technology there, it's useful to distinguish between tech enabled uh, businesses versus uh, maybe like a core technology business. So I think a good example of a tech enabled business perhaps could be uh, a social networking platform or e-commerce for example and so where we say it's tech enabled it's because the e-commerce platform is, is enabling the sales but it's not core to the business proposition whereas a startup say like wisdom where tech is core to what we do so wisdom is built on an algorithm friendly design so 
from the first early stages of the design within the team, we were thinking about how can we, because we know within Wisdom, one of the things we need to do within the app is to land what our community members on the right piece of content at the right time. So from as soon as a user interacts with Wisdom, the algorithms in the back are learning what they like. How long do they spend listening to certain types of talks? You know, what are their, are they following certain topics and people so we can get better and better in terms of learning what a particular user likes? And so, you know, that's a great example of saying, you know, we are a core technology business because out there, even within the marketplace, no one has built something exactly like, you know, what, what we have built, what we have built. So, it, yeah, so it's also key to distinguish even within the app. Is, is your app doing something that the, the process is quite off the shelf or are you building something that is uh, innovative, I suppose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, I, I could see how all that would play together. I just I want to um, just as a follow up question to that. And I know you went for funding and a lot of the these types of apps are. I also know a lot of people are looking at more kind of lead generating apps that become an extension of their mentoring or their coaching. And you may not have a lot of experience here. So tell me if this is irrelevant. But is there ever a time where you could see someone not needing to get external funding to raise investment capital and it would make sense to self-fund or based on what you know, you're like, this is like thousands of dollars and you should just go for funding right out of the gate. Yes, I think to your point around um, the way you've mentioned that there's an entrepreneur that already has traction and is offering a product or a service. And as you said, the app could be like a like like an add-on or perhaps you know use for lead generation. And and I think in that case, we that for example could look like a, a community-based app. And that's something that they may want to build an app so that they can deepen their engagement within their customer base, learn more about their customers, and then you know, use those things to then drive out their business goals and yeah I think in that case that can be a great case for for bootstrapping because there is already uh there's already traction in place and and they just want to bring that community you know that that sort of community together in one Mm -hmm. place um and at the same time they it it could also be used as a as a compelling case to to raise investment by saying you know, this is what my business looks like. And, you know, this, this is the opportunity that, uh, you know, building an app would, um, you know, help to unlock. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So the big question I think everybody's excited to hear about is you've got an app now, how do you grow it? Uh, I, let's just cover a couple of tips that you might have for somebody to get that app downloaded more and used more. Okay. So in terms of after launching an app, how do you grow it? So I think one key metric to bear in mind is uh, the CLV, which is the customer lifetime value. And in essence, that that is the difference between the cost that you would spend to acquire a user to, to download your app versus the value you're going to derive from them until they churn 
off your app. And by churn, meaning they cease to be a user, which, you know, it, it sounds sad, but inevitably, you know, for, for a lot of apps at some point, they, they will churn. And so the idea of the metric there is if we consider the value you're going to extract from the customer and then the cost to acquire them, that, that math has to balance, right? So perhaps if you were running ads and paying $5 to acquire a user, but throughout the time on your app, they, they didn't buy anything, then, then you would be losing money. And, and that's put it sort of in the most simplest way. You know, it, this is a metric that can be more complex in terms of how it's built out. So when people ask the question around how to grow it, oftentimes people will say, oh, I'm just going to run ads. But with running ads, you're, you're setting a clear cost in terms of acquisition. And then, you know, that money needs to be made, you know, from the customer within, within the back end. So I would advise new founders initially to look at organic growth and then you're typically organic users you know, within industry statistics, they tend to stick around more because they've come organically, not necessarily because they've seen an ad or they've been incentivized. Um, and I think there's an expression in tech, which is uh, for founders, early founders, which is do things that don't scale. And what that means is you could start thinking, how are you going to get your first 100 users? And what you do to get your first 100 users is likely not going to be what you will do to get your 500,000th user. So be prepared to do things that don't scale. Be prepared to do things that are it, it might be non, non-digital offline. Um, and, you know, like a, a great example, when I go back to the startup I worked on uh, before Wisdom, which was AfriClick, which was a, a dating app for the global African community. Initially, to get our first users, I held informational dating panel discussions around London. And when people showed up to the event, we would uh, promote the app. And we also pop, we also did pop-ups at places where we knew our target audience would be. So that was effective in terms of being able to be face-to-face with potential users and get their feedback and get them to download, but that's not scalable, right? So if we were wanting to get to hundreds of thousands, it would be quite, there probably wouldn't be enough events happening to show up to do that, uh, which I think is, you know, a great example in terms of being prepared to do something, things that are not scalable. And that's how you're thinking about your first sort of hundreds and you know ten thousands of users i think also around how to grow an app it's also you have your beachhead segment that's the segment of customer that is very very narrow who you're targeting first i think it's very important to start with a beachhead segment meaning you know you can't be everything to everyone so say for the example of podcasting you know some people might say my podcast is for female entrepreneurs between this age range who are in North America, who are, I don't know, starting SaaS businesses, right? It's like hyper, hyper focused. And that would also be a piece of advice that if you try and appeal to everyone initially, you will probably appeal to no one. So to be very hyper hyper focused and ensure that you're creating value your beachhead segment they've got to be creating value even if it's something like a tiktok where the value is arguably entertainment 
you know, first, or you're, you know, creating advice. Um, and then a last, a couple of other tips, you know, I'll give as well is uh, in-app analytics. So it, it's really important to launch an app, but to plug into an analytics tool specifically for apps, something like perhaps Mixpanel or Amplitude, or even a Google also offers a, a, a free one, Firebase. And in essence, for the analytics, understanding what actions your users are actually taking on the app. So you have your, your funnel, right? So understanding from when they download the app, are they dropping off at some stage of the onboarding? Is there something in the flow that is, is confusing? Are you losing people? Because of course, once you've gone through the work of acquiring a user, if it, it's a shame to then not you know, convert them to actually take the steps perhaps to sign up and you know, create an account. So it's important, I think, not to launch blind because without analytics, in essence, you, you kind of are blind. So you can also understand, which is something we constantly do with wisdom, like every day, we're looking at the analytics in the back end to see what actions are people taking? You know, how many people are sharing the content outside of the app, you know, starting talks, guesting on talks, and, and getting to learn what actions your your users are enjoying to take. And then once you find out what they like to do, of course, that's the opportunity to double down. Uh, on that particular action. Hmm. Well, if you hadn't already wanted to create an app, I'm sure after this episode, you're probably thinking about the impact and the possibility. And at a minimum, maybe you're ready to uh, get active on the Wisdom app and share it. Uh, Dio, could you just um, maybe retouch on how people can find the Wisdom app and uh, what's possible for them? I think you actually, I don't know, are you still offering the mentor coin when they join on the podcast? I'm sorry, on the app? So, so first of all, the best way to find Wisdom, if you go to, if you're on Apple, go to the Apple store. If you're on Android, go to the Play store. Search for Wisdom Social Audio will be the best way to, to bring us up and you can absolutely download. It's a really quick onboarding process. Literally within a few steps, you're in and you're listening to live conversations. And in terms of offers at the moment, I know we we did or do, we do have an offer around for podcasters very specifically. So in essence, if you sign up and then you'll start to get our weekly newsletter, because um, we do have, which I should mention, we do have a lot of podcasters on Wisdom. Um, I think podcasters really like the aspect of, and actually I should I should also mention, we have a lot of podcasters. We are podcaster friendly. Any talk, any audio content you create on Wisdom, you have the option to download your talk afterwards uh, as a high fidelity uh, audio file. So I think it's about 48. Uh, hertz or 84 I think it's about 48 hertz um, so in essence what it also means is we do have a number of people on wisdom who they were at that I want to start a podcast stage but they weren't yet ready to invest in the equipment and they found that wisdom is a great way to go live with a co-host and just record a podcast but actually I digress so let me go back to answer the question because um, I don't know if I fully said, I think I said where to go on my channel. 
Yeah. So if you have a podcast, it sounds like you have an opportunity to claim your podcast on the Wisdom app. And um, we'll link that up in the show notes for you. So you can find the Wisdom app on Apple or Google Play. Or if you've got a, a podcast, we'll hook it up in the show notes. So you can just, wherever you're listening to this, you'll you'll see this on the show notes. So Dio, you brought us so much wisdom, <laughs> so many great things to consider if we're in the market for an app or we're looking to reach more of an audience you know, maybe establish influence and thought leadership and to create a movement around something that's solving a big problem. These are so many great factors. Let's just wrap up in one sentence. What's one thing you wish you would have done sooner? I wish I would have got started sooner. And by got started sooner, I mean moving from idea to action I think I sometimes I have a a tendency to do a little bit of analysis paralysis and a fear of it won't quite be good enough so why should I why should I start so I wish I would have got started sooner Mm. I think you would not be alone and as you're listening in today whether you are app focused or impact focused and you're looking to grow the reach of your business these are wise words don't look back and wish you would have started sooner. Get started now. Dio, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing so much great wisdom. And friends, as you're listening in, I will see you over on the Wisdom app. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com. And I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going, and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name, and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 